Check one, two. Welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Before we get started with this week's episode, shouts to everybody who checked out last week's episode with the one and only Drew Ha. Okay? We went over 25 plus years of Duck Down Music. Our brother Sean Price and all the moments and paying him to get on Twitter and just just, just extreme amounts of talk of Sean Price, our brother, rest in peace forever. And then really just like, you know, how they almost signed Eminem. Internets, if you never heard this episode, okay? Put it on your to-do list. If you're a person wanting to get into the music industry, the record industry, the record label industry, the 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 managing artist, the, if it's for you, listen. If it's for a friend that you know that wants to get in, that's what I always say. If there's an episode you know at a Premium Pete show that you think could help somebody, whether it be with a therapist, an athlete, an entrepreneur, a venture capitalist, or whoever, send it. Tell a friend to tell a friend is the best thing. Internet, you know when I tell you to open up your Twitter app, open up your Instagram app, at Premium Pete, at Premium Pete Show, check the fuck in. I love when people tell me, you know, they're from Rhode Island, they're from, you know, they're from Italy, I get from from China, I get from Japan, I get from, you know, uh, London, uh, listen, Delaware, internets all over the world, appreciate you. Uh, man, we're coming up on 10 years of podcasting, rest in peace to my brother Combat Jack, uh, the little podcast that I could back in the day, that's what we used to call it, uh, when people were like, oh, you're doing a podcast? That's cute. So, uh, you know, it's amazing to see the landscape now and everything it's become. I'm glad to be a part of from, you know, uh, behind the mic and, and behind the scenes producing a bunch of shows and being involved uh, with a lot of different creative stuff in the space. Internet, let me tell you something, okay? Uh, there was something I put on Twitter the other day that, at Premium Pete, that I put up that is is super true. And I wrote, remember when you wanted what you currently have. Again, I'm going to say that. Remember what you wanted. Remember when you wanted what you currently have. And and I, and I wrote, I was like, you know, more to go, but thankful. And 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 I can't preach this enough. Some people wrote, I, I, so many people wrote back. I put it on Twitter, I put it on Instagram. And there was people like, you know, oh, I don't got nothing. Or, or, or I am blessed. Or this one hit me hard. Um, you know, look, there's times where you may sit and be like, yo, I wish... I could be doing this. And then next thing you know, in years to come, you're doing it. You got to take that moment to value uh, and appreciate that you're there. You know, people don't understand this shit's a marathon, uh, not a sprint. So, you know, take a moment to appreciate what you're doing or it's going to pass you right up. There's never enough time in the day you're going to lose your mind. And then who knows, you may not even be here no more. So take a moment to understand that, uh, you know, you got a lot more to go, but there's, uh, you know, but you're thankful for where you have come. And if you're not there yet and if you're struggling and, you know, times are bad, I, I get it. I had that black card over me for a while, man, raining and thundering. Um, but you power through the storm. You know, you don't you don't get under the covers and, and high day. You get up, you get out, and, and you keep on trying because persistence uh, is always key and patience. Uh, you know, that, that's my Pastor Pete shit for the week. Internet, uh, I had this episode I taped a couple of months ago. It's crazy. Uh, with Dante Nero, com- uh, comedian, um, you know he's also uh, uh, an you know an actor. He's done. He's like a I, this guy's like a woman guru, man. I, I don't know. He's like a relationship fucking uh, connoisseur. Uh, you know, talking about stripping for so many different people. And the crazy thing about it is still holding a regular job down, a day job for twenty five fucking years or twenty years. Internet. When I tell you, it's one of those episodes. If you don't know Dante Nero, okay. Don't stray away. Press play, okay, and and learn about it. A very interesting cat, 
Uh, I don't even need to say anymore. Let's get to it. Internets, I present to you the Dante Nero episode of the Premium Pete Show. Let's get to it. Cheer. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Fat Me and Scoop, the undisputed voice of the club, the two-time Grammy Award winner. Let me make this official for you. Fat Me and Scoop, Cork McClan, Internets. It's time to go with my dude, Premium Pete. Let's get focused. Let's go. Internets, let's turn up. One time, Premium Pete. Come on, everybody, get set. Let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up. It's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low, listen to the Show was milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Internet, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting down with a very, very interesting guy, man. I mean, we could go, we, we could go down the line, man. An actor, uh, man. You done pit bull fighting, right? Yeah, Is this true? Pit fighting, true? yeah. What? Uh, pimping. Yeah, a little bit. Martial arts. Yeah. Underground fighting. Yeah. We're going to find out what the comedy, fuck that is. Fencing. Comedy. Unicycling. Yeah, all that. Comedy. Yeah. The one and only Dante Nero in What's the building. What's going on, baby? How you oh, doing? man, listen. You know, when you have a, a, a title of that many things, I, I actually like that because, you know, if, if someone said you're a comedian, yeah. that's only one thing. Right, right. You know, there's a lot of other things that people do. You know, even like if we talk about like a, a an athlete, like yeah. a baseball player. Yeah. That motherfucker does, he may be a good fisherman. Right, right, right. You know, Doing he may something. be a hell of a poker player. Yeah. You yeah. know, there's a lot of other things that people do. You you know, when somebody ever asks you, like, you know, like, who is Dante Never? Do you ever, do you know, you know what you tell them? I don't, I don't, you know, I just, I always say it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say what, what you are you know sure, what I mean? that's what i'm you, saying you're yeah. so busy just like if you you remove the ego and you just you, you the art the artistic aspect the creative aspect that comes from when you remove the ego the ego and selfishness and all those other emotions stop you from being creative and mm. so when you remove that and 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 you you just work on the artistic aspect of it. It, it it's like your mind just opens up in a way that you never really understood. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Um, I have this thing I always say that uh, true wisdom is the understanding of underlying concepts, how they relate to situations that seem irrelevant but really are not. Meaning, whatever you do when you when you when you reach a, a level of uh, mastery, there's uh, fundamental cosmic and universal truths to that that you can um, that you can apply to everything. So if you if you a great chess player, the ideas of chess, the concepts of chess, can apply to business and strategy and basketball and baseball and 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 you know whatever it is and women and a- anything that you do, um, because those 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 truths are so so you know so so eminent and they, mm. they they so even the things that seem irrelevant those those concepts you can still use those concepts in order to uh to 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 have, you know have some mastery with that so what you you know if you master one thing you master everything you just got to figure out how how what matches up with Matt, what matches up with what so that you could um so you can have a, a better understanding of it. Sure. You know? you know, we mentioned pit bull fighting in the beginning. Pit, not pit bull, pit. Okay. Like, I used to just bare knuckle fight. Oh, pit fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, what the fuck am I yeah. talking This ain't no Michael Vick. Yeah, 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 I wasn't pit fighting. So pit fight, like, in a pit? Yeah, like, I like I was... Like, you, I, like um, would you consider that to be, like, a, a UFC fighting? Like? Yeah, but it was prior to that. I mean, UFC wasn't really... You know, it was just dudes. Like, you know, I call you up, I go, Pete... You, 
yo, I got this dude, you want to fight him? Yeah, how much? Two grand. We meet in a basement, mm. r- put raps on, and, and knuckle up. And niggas used to, you know, they would, they would uh, you know, gamble. Sure, sure. So, I mean, I was I was heavy into martial arts. I was uh, running around with Moses Powell. I don't know, Moses mm. Powell was like one of the first black dudes to go uh, in the Japanese Hall of Fame. Mm. Uh, he's known for the one-finger uh, handstand rollout, like the, that was his thing back in the days, and uh, and I used to just train with those dudes. And then you, you, I was a young dude, and I was learning all this crazy stuff, and I wanted to try it out. So, mm. where'd you grow up? I'm a Brooklyn cat. Grew up in Crown Heights, okay, right off of Franklin Avenue. Um, you know, had a father and mother. Grew up with both parents. Grew up in a, in a house. My pops bought the bought his house. What, what did pops do? My pops worked for the parks department, but he was like the goat of Brooklyn. Mm. Like he did mm. basketball tournaments and uh, basketball, softball, netball, um, track, paddle ball. He used to run uh, Ebbets Field for a long time. He wow. did. He started the first uh, six foot and under tournament because mm. my pops was like five two, so he he wanted to give little dudes an opportunity to play ball. So you, he would run unlimited six foot and under tournaments. With all point guards, like it was point guards that could dunk, yeah. <laughs> but it was just a you know real fast spud web shit. Yeah, just dudes running up and down on the court with no you know never breathing. You know, remember that song? Uh, I wish I was a little bit taller. Yeah, yeah, I wish yeah. Wish it was a baller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit yeah. was hot. Yeah, that yeah. Song. No doubt, no doubt. You know, you and pops had a good relationship. Uh, we did until we didn't. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, um, my pops was like I was. I, my pops had me real late. Uh, my pops was born nineteen twenty. Uh, one of 16, eight boys and eight girls. God damn. Um, so you like figure 1920, you know, he's growing up in the depression. You know, there's no progressiveness. There's no, there's no therapy. There's no, you know, sure, you, no feelings. Like- yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can't afford feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so he was, you know, so he wasn't a progressive dude. He's a smart, intel- a smart dude, but, uh, just you know how we talk about our feelings now and we go to therapy there just was none of that so it's you know he kept a roof over our head we never were hungry you know i mean sometimes we didn't have heat but you know we all cuddled up in the bed you know put the coats on the bed and kept warm so it is what it is you know it's funny when you say shit like that because um you know i remember one of my friends telling me about his cousin when they when he was young um well they found out later on that he had the dyslexia right and uh but when they, when he was young, the teachers just f- yeah, felt he was stupid. That. Yeah, just stupid. Right, yeah. you know, like he didn't know, and he couldn't. He, he, if you think about where we are today, sure, yeah, versus where we are back then. Even I, I say this all the time on a lot of episodes. What yeah. you just said was very powerful. My pops grew up in Italy. No, my pops' father grew up in Italy. Right. Uh, that style, like they didn't. Yeah, they didn't hug each other. Like, nah, nah, like, nah. You know, like so then you realize why. I always say this in generations today. You look around, people call it kids a hug. I yeah. love my kid. I, I love seeing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. back then, a wasn't lot of, a thing. No. Nah. Yeah, and not only was it not a thing, but they didn't even know how to get to that. Yeah. And so when you, you know, you see people now and they have these issues, they have all kinds of emotional issues. You got to look at things in the context of what it was. And then I had to forgive, be able to forgive my father. For the things that he did, like so, um, he was five two, the baby boy of sixteen, right? Um, eight boys, eight girls. So Napoleon complex. Mm. So he was, you know, he was motivated by the accolades of other people. You know what I mean? He would do, he would do anything if people was watching. You know what I mean? Mm. But if people was wasn't watching, he'd been like, "Yo, I'm scared. I'm out of here." You know what I mean? But 
there was he was always that kind of charismatic guy that always had people around. So he was always doing dynamic things, you know. So I mean, you just got to look at it in the context, and you got to forgive for the for the context of what it was. You know what I mean? So yeah. how did, how the hell did you get into pimping? I I was a male stripper for ten years. What? Yeah, I did. Isn't is is that rare? Meaning meaning because most people think of strippers as women. Well, um, not like in the nineties. You couldn't do, you know, God bless the dead. But you know, we was talking about combat. Like in the nineties, you did not throw a party without a female stripper and a male stripper. That was the that was the entertainment. That that was the entertainment for the yeah. night. So it was just it was just what we did, and that had been going on like before, like the Red Parrot when the Red Parrot sure, was sure. open and Roseland was open. I mean, they were doing that back then. Was it a good business? Oh, it was a great business at the time. Give, give me now. Was it like personal hires too? Like you did like bachelor. Yeah, yeah. So you had you had people that produced huge shows you know five six seven hundred people seven sure. seven hundred chicks in a, in a room and then you had a show that you did and then you would hand out your business cards and then you do the private hires um and then, like people would hire you for the bachelorette party for a birthday party for other parties for dinner parties for the grandmother i've done senior citizen homes what? yeah it's just You're, how the fuck is a senior citizen <laughs> oh, you you know it's crazy it's, it's so much you see in the <laughs> inhibition of that like they, you know, these old biddies, they still alive, dog. They, you know, they still trying to get it. So it's like, you know, a lot of times we look at old people as if, you know, we as if they're sure, asexual. Sure. But if people don't notice that there's a there's an extensive STD epidemic in Miami mm. because of because of the, the the introduction of Viagra, and we as men we die first. So you in you, you in a senior center, right? All you need is one little dirty dick grandfather, and he's going to infect everybody because everybody's smashing him. Mm. And he's smashing everybody because now, the, you know, the agency is not there. When I mean the agency, people are not judging them. And then, you know, they living it up. Two threesomes and old people threesomes and all kinds. You know, and then they don't have the... the, the uh, the agency of safe sex like we have. Like, we grew sure. up where you... In 19, 1935, safe sex was locked the door. I don't mm. want your husband to come in. You know what I mean? Mm. That mm. was... So, so you know, we look at them as if there's a there's no... You know, as if they don't have sexuality. But how you think you... If, that's, if you're looking at your grandmother, how you got here? Mm. She blew your grandfather. You know what I mean? <laughs> so... She did reverse doggy style. She did doggy style. She, you know what I mean? She she was a champ in her day. Right. She had a little anniversary anal, all that, you know. They went in in that time, and then we look, because we don't feel as though they're sexual. We don't see them as sexual. They're still sexual beings, mm. you know. You know, you think back to stripping, right? Yeah. What, what was, like, a going rate at that time? So I did, like. Quite a, private. Uh, When I started, it was, like, a buck. 25 and it went up to about 250 mm. uh which like three songs like mm. 20 minutes sure. 22 minutes something like that and then plus tips mm. so and then if you did something over you know you did something overseas or you did something when you had to travel like you know whatever you you know you charged according sure yeah you know now now obviously you you were coming in professional right yeah, yeah. like but were there times where it was like people were like yo let's go upstairs in the bedroom or trying to you know, maybe take a, I don't want to say take advantage of you. No, nah, but, but. You, you know, they feel that you, well, the thing is, okay, so there's a few things with that. I had already decided before I was big, you know, before I blew up, you know, to whatever extent sure. I blew up, uh, 
that I wasn't going to sell my body for no price. And the reason why I felt that that line was needed to that line needed to be drawn was because once you cross the line, you can always cross the line. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if somebody goes, um, if somebody goes, yo, I'll give you five. If some chick goes, I'll give you five G's to fuck you, right? You go, oh, five G's, all right, I'm in. You know, um, what you're doing is it's, it's like that old adage. You go, would you would you fucking do for a million dollars? She goes, yeah. You go, would you fucking do for five dollars? And the chick goes, nah, I'm not a prostitute. Yeah, you a prostitute. We just negotiating prices. Sure, you know what sure. I mean? So you you gotta set the line before the line is questioned, so that when you, the line is questioned, you have the routine. Yeah, I don't. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, no, I'm not selling my body, but nobody wanted to buy it. You know what I mean? Mm. So then when I got to the point where somebody did want to buy it, I already had my I had my 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 uh my little phrase, yeah, I don't I don't do that. I don't you know what I'm saying? And then they were like, Oh no, you know, I don't mean to be offended. I don't, no, I'm not no, you're not offending me. I'm just you know, I'm just stating that I don't do that. Now is 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 this true that you stripped for uh, Whitney Houston? Uh I did her uh her bachelorette party. Mm. Um I did Wendy Williams' party too, really? but but I did Wendy Williams' birthday party at Trafalgar Square. I don't know if you remember that back in the days in, in Queens with uh, Uncle Luke. Mm. Uncle really? Luke, from, really? Yeah, Uncle two Luke. Two live crew, Uncle. Luke. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, you know, I, I you know, I knew dude, you know, it was big. I like I had a bump on uh, Hot Night uh, Kiss FM back in the days. Was like you know how you had you know I'm LL Cool J yeah, you know yeah. so my my bump was uh, uh, this hey this is Prince Mandingo when I'm not taking my clothes off I'm keeping my radio on Kiss FM on 98.7 like that 98.7 <laughs> Kiss FM yeah 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 I so, miss Kiss FM yeah man. yeah 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 so I mean it was I was big enough you know regionally large enough regionally that I got a I had actually had a radio bump you know. So um yeah I had, you know it was it was it was an interesting kind of thing it just, a lot of taught me a lot about women taught me about relationships um and and how given certain circumstances people will do things out of character mm-hmm. you know I, I think I had a lot of uh trust issues with women um because of it because you see sure, sure. the dark underbelly sure, sure, sure. of what women would do. I, uh, I, you know, I had a, I, I did a gig, like a private gig out in, uh, in, in Long Island, and I'm changing, you know, I'm changing my clothes, and uh, I don't know if it was before, or after the show, probably after the show, and the bride comes and she comes in the bathroom, right, and she's like, and we start fucking around, right, and we get busted by the mother-in-law. Right in the bath, and the mother-in-law comes in and she goes, she goes, bitch, you coming in here, sucking dick, and you didn't call me, and I'm like, and then so, but they got down like that. Mm. The so now, and then they were like, you should come to the wedding, and I was like, I'm not. So now <laughs> I done, I've smashed the dude. The, here's a dude sitting up there being a the groom. I'm smash. I've yesterday, the day before, I've smashed his wife to be and his mom. Mm. To get, you know what I'm saying? Like it does something to you. Sure, sure, it fucks you up. And a, like you, like well, what, you know? What's love? What exactly? But what you realize is that, uh, you know, where I always say, wherever you go, there you are. People show you who they are. You just gotta believe them. And 
also people act out of character given circumstances, circ- certain circumstances. I just watched that, the Fry. Fry Festival. Right, so when you know the big things with the dudes, is I was getting ready to suck yeah, dick yeah, yeah, for water, for water yeah. right? But he's not a dude that would, you know, it's not like on a Tuesday he's sucking dick for a bottle of water. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the circumstances that he was put in that put him in that place. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then that's where you see how people act out of character um, because of stress and because of certain circumstances. So. You're right. I didn't look at it like that too because, you know, he, he wouldn't he wouldn't suck dick for like a bottle. Yeah, yeah. Like one bottle of water. Right. He was, you know, he... he it was his reputation. Yeah. It was people. It was the, the pressure it was to help make everything yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's um, you know, it's an interesting thing how that logically, uh, if you think how all of those things relate, you know what I mean? They sure. all relate to each other, whatever. So, so how did this happen with Whitney Houston, though? I just somebody called me up for a um, for a gig. Mm. Somebody just called me up for a gig. Said you want to do it. It was like real hush hush. Sure. Some some you know yeah. I keep it on the low because you um. You know, we don't want it to get out or whatever, and, and I showed up. Mm. Was, was it a nice party? Yeah, it was a, some penthouse somewhere mm. in Manhattan, somewhere mm. like that. It was hot, like shrimp cocktail, smoking. wings. Yeah, a lot of shrimp cocktail, <laughs> a lot of lobster bisque. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is crazy, yeah, man. It's, uh, you, you know, you're also a comedian. Yeah. <clears throat> when did you even think about that you even wanted to? Be a comedian. I mean, it's, what's crazy is that I always wanted to be a comedian. Mm-hmm. Like even as a kid, like I, w- I went to I went to Catholic school. Like I had the little plaid tie and the whole sure, thing. Sure. And I used to sneak home early to sneak in my pop's cabinet and listen to his Red Fox albums and his Richard Pryor albums and and uh, and the Mom's Mabel. So so when I was a kid, you know Johnny Carson was sure. the thing, and I used to stay up late to try and catch the comedian on Johnny Carson. So I knew like really obscure comics that was just like Gary Mule Deer and and Emo, you know, just like, so I was always into it. Then I, I um, I think it was 89, I was in, uh, I went to SUNY New Paltz. I did my first strip show there. Um, I was a little tight with some money. And uh, what happened was I'm also a Q-Dog, right? So uh, they had a Toys for Tots thing like a Greek letter organization, and they were like, uh, we need each fraternity to be represented. So it was Kappas, Alphas, Sigmas, sure. and uh, and then everybody backed out. <laughs> and it was just me and uh, and I think this Alpha dude, and they had to hire uh, professional strippers because they, they had something like seven, 800 women uh, in the, you know, college kids you know college girls in this place and they only had two strippers and so they hired two guys with the one of the dudes to that, help to help with you guys yeah because it was it just wasn't enough of mm. us and uh one of the guys was a dude that i grew up with lived around the corner from me actually lived on this on sterling place in franklin avenue right on the same black where, where aaron hall mm. and uh mm. and guy lived around there you know and uh and he he was this, this kid uh my boy reggie he 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 um he was already stripping, and he had been doing it for quite some time. And I I I um I came home from school. Um, I had dropped out of school because I had I was working with emotionally disturbed kids, and I got attached to one of the kids that was like orphaned, and and I kind of and they the system kind of swallowed this kid up, and I just got really depressed, and I left school, came home, and I was just like laying on my mom's couch, and then uh, this whole thing happened, and then I I hooked up with him, and then I you know. I started doing. I actually started right down here 
right there, not too far from on um, Fulton Street, Fulton mm-hmm. and um, William, between Williams and Nassau, there was a club here called Pinkies. Right away, and that's where I started. Did you uh, bomb your first night? Or? No, it was pretty good because I was like a club head. I went to the Paradise. I was a, I had a uh, Paradise. I mean, you know the Paradise Garage. Sure, sure. Quite I, legendary. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was a big club head, you know. Uh, uh, the the world, the Paradise sure, Garage. Sure. I was a big, you know, like I did, like I was dancing, suicide dives, and all of that. And so I kind of had a an understand, you know, I knew how to move. So and at the time that the, the the situation, you know, the, that whole business was was very different. It was like you had guys who were really big and built but couldn't dance, and then you had little guys, little skinny dudes who didn't have nobody but they could dance their ass off. And I was kind of like, you know, I was like two thirty, two forty, so I had a d- good body, but I could still dance, and that how so I did fine. What was know? the biggest you ever were? Oh, uh, now, I've, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, well, I've been up to about three thirty when mm-hmm. I was powerlifting. Mm-hmm. I was doing some powerlifting and stuff. But what I'm, was the most you ever lifted? Uh, I did a. I squatted eight eight hundred. Mm-hmm. I did eight hundred squat. I, my bench was at about five. And you still go to gym every day? Nah, man. I, I mean, I I go now. It's really a struggle, man. I'm old and I'm tired, and I'm doing comedy and I'm doing auditions and. And you know, and I, you know, but I'm I'm getting back into it. I'm trying to make my comeback, not to strip, but just you know, just just trying to be healthy. You know what I mean? Mm. Just trying to you know, keep it going. So so you you did comedy. Is it because you wanted to get out of stripping? No, I always wanted to do comedy. Okay, um, but I didn't think anybody would take me seriously as a as a stripper because I was a. I didn't think anybody would take me stripper serious as a comic because I was a stripper and I had some level of like local regional fame. I just didn't think. I just figured I would tell jokes and they would be like, "Shut up and take your clothes off." You know what I mean? And I this was right around the time the Def Jam broke, mm. so I knew Tracy Morgan and Mike Epps and Jim Brewer and and. Uh, you know, and then so I st- I was promoting my own male reviews, and I used to bring comics in to open the shows up, and so those dudes, Tracy and all these dudes, would open the shows up, and then uh, and then I started promoting comedy, and I just always loved it, and uh, then I you know, and then everybody was into you know everybody had a right around the time when you know when Fubu was Fubu had broke, sure. I started my own clothing line. And it was called, uh, it was me and three other dudes, and we did that. And I, I really just did what, the- What was the name of the- It's called Dante Rogus. Okay. It never, you know, we, we never really got off the, I mean, we would get moving, you know, sure. chugging along, um, but uh, never really got too far into it. And then I realized I was just doing that to not do comedy, because I was afraid of doing comedy. And so I, uh, I, I me and the dude had a problem, uh, me and a dude who who I was working with, we had a little problem, and uh, and I was just like, you know, I'm gonna. The next day, I went and got on stage. I went and did an open mic next day, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I've been doing it ever since. That was like 2000. For people listening who may not know of uh, Dante Nero, what would you say your comedy style like is? Like, what do you just like tell about life stories or anything that I'm passionate about? Um, I I uh, was really good friends with Patrice O'Neill, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is literally... Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, rest in peace. Uh, rest in pimp, we all used okay, to say. Okay, most definitely. <laughs> and, uh, and he was, to me, probably one of the most prolific comics uh, that anybody would say. And that's that's what comics say, not just me, because he was my boy. He was very, just exceptional, honest, and, and truthful, and, and just 
took risks and and so um when I saw that I was like I want to do that like I had seen other comics and I comics with oh that dude's funny and when people used to come off stage and after his shows they would be like yo I'm yo I'm yo I'm, they would shake it. It was just this connection that he had with them, and that and that came from that he was so authentic. You know what I mean? And and so I would say that my style is like that. It's just authentic and honest. I want to teach. I want to push the audience. Like I don't mind holding the, the 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 audience's head underwater. You know, for a while, sure. making it tense, making it uncomfortable, and then releasing and stuff mm. like that. But I, I don't talk about anything that I don't care about. Whatever I care about, that's what mm. I talk about. You've been married before? Yeah, I was married. Uh, I was married for about uh, six, eight years. Um, you like marriage? Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm a fan. Yeah. Because I think some a lot of times people get married because for the sake of getting married. Mm. Um, you know what I'm saying? It, yeah, it, I've been married. I'm divorced. Yeah. Six. I was married for two years. Wow. Let me tell you. I want to hear your story more yeah, than yeah. I want to hear when I, than yeah, I yeah. want to hear mine. But internet's know who listen. But my my mom and dad recently just celebrated fifty years married. Yeah. Before my grandfather passed, we had a seventy five year uh, wedding anniversary wow. Wow. for my grandmother. Yeah, right? yeah. So the point I'm making is I lasted two years. Yeah. So it's I was like, damn, time, I felt like Pete. a no, of course. But I was like, damn, I felt like a failure at the time. Yeah, this yeah. was sixteen years yeah, ago, yeah. going on seventeen. And for a while, it left a bad taste in my mouth because I was like, you know what? Get married because y'all love each other. Yeah. Not yeah, because that's absolutely. why you just struck a chord when you said. Yeah, yeah. You, but, but but what's up with marriage, man? I, I think um, I think it, it's interesting. And, you know, I say this all the time is um, as a man, you're supposed to be good at relationships and sex, sex and relationships with no practice. So how do you get good at anything? Anything you do, I mean, you've been doing the show for a minute, and there's, and it's just even your posture is is there's a level of comfort in mm-hmm. your posture mm-hmm. doing this part. It's because you've done it. You know what I'm saying? It it feels natural. So the same thing is true with sex. So it's a it's a weird thing how um, you sp- a dude is supposed to be good at sex, but then he's not supposed to be a whore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but then when you talk about piano or violin, they say get that ten thousand hours in. Sure. So what I'm saying is get that ten thousand hours in. You, you got to You got to fuck people. Well, if you want to be good at fucking people, you got to fuck people. So if I'm if I'm messing with a chick and she's going, yo, that was dope. It's it's I'm dope because. I fucked a lot of people. I made a lot of mistakes along the way. I've honed this shit down. It's, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I'm ready for the Super Bowl because I've been practicing sure, hard. Sure, you know what I mean? made the playoffs a couple of years. Exactly, exactly. How, how hard is it? And I don't mean, well, you obviously speak from your experience, but how yeah. hard is it to just be with one person for the rest of your life? I, Sexually. <sighs> and, and I mean, obviously, then you're going to be with them, you know, uh, straight up and down, like, but I'm talking about sexually being with one partner. Um, look, it's uh, it's I think it's a difficult thing. I don't think that we're we are as human beings. I don't think we're monogamous, mm. but um, we are also not vegetarians. Like people have the ability to process meat protein, but we make a choice to be vegetarian. So I look at monogamy like veg. It's you. You can cognitively make that choice. Because you want to, um, 
but I, I think that the key to it is, and this is just something really new to me that I'm, I'm starting to understand, that um, we, with shape, our insecurity about who we are, our value, our lack of value is what makes you want to go smash everything else because you want to validate yourself as a man. I'm a man. I can hit this. I can get that. I can do this. But when you're really comfortable with who you are as a person, you're really comfortable in your skin, you're not proving nothing. Now, I'm not saying that that makes you faithful. I'm saying, but that's the start of it. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it across the board, how many dudes do you know that are so comfortable in their skin that they're not looking for this validation in some way or form. You know what I'm saying? You got dudes got the Bentley. You got dudes that got the furs, got the, you know, whatever. But they're doing it for validation. Look at me. True. I'm rocking the, the, the cream Bentley. You know what I'm saying? But it took me a long time to get to the point where I do what I do because I like it instead of doing what I do because people are watching me. Mm. And that had a lot to do with my, my, my pops was so motivated by the accolades of other people that I didn't want to be that. Like my pops was a dynamic dude. He helped hundreds of thousands of kids doing youth work. But he still, there was, so I'm, I was always trying to be the best of him, but reject the things that I thought was weak. Sure. You know, and so under, I didn't used to think that monogamy is possible, but I think it's possible now um, because of the fact that you have to be, you have to not be looking for that outside validation. You know, it's a weird thing I say, never let anybody, never let a woman define you because if you, she defines you, it won't, be, it won't be long till you ain't shit. Mm. And that validation is like a saloon door. It swings both ways. So if, if I feel good because you think I'm great, then I give you the power to make me feel like shit when you think I'm not worthy. You know what I mean? Sure. Because you're defining what my value is. Um, and so it takes, a, so you got to put the work in to be the best version of yourself so that when somebody says, oh, you ain't this, you ain't that, and you go, nah, I'm that. Sure. Um, I'm, and, and then you'll, yeah, but you don't know. No, no, I know. Here's why I know because I've been working on it all my whole life. And my insecurities are just um, because it's something that I haven't I haven't fixed yet, but I'm already, I'm aware of it. What you telling me is, you don't know, like I'm, I'm probably in the worst shape that I've ever been in my life. Right. And there's a lot, a lot of reasons for that. Uh, but I've had a dude, I had a dude hit me on, like I was looking at one of my things and the dude said, made a, a, a overweight comment. Right. And I, and I hit him back and I says, yeah, thanks for telling me. I didn't know that. Like, I don't have no mirrors in my house. So when you, you telling me sure. something, that I already know that I'm already working on. You know what I mean? But you, you, you know, it's it's interesting how um, your success and you you will absolutely relate to this. Your success, see, like when you around people, they everybody feels that they're your peer, mm. and the being your peer means that we're equal, right? So if you have gained a certain level of success in whatever field it is, sure. your success is offensive to people who are not successful because if we're equal, then we should have the same shit. You know what I mean? Now, if we don't have the same shit, right, then I have to, in my mind, I have to have a conversation with my my subconscious why I feel that we're equal 
but I don't have what you have. Now, there's only three reasons why I wouldn't have what you have. We ain't equal. I'm never going to admit that because my ego tells me that I can't look at another man and say you better than me. Sure. Right? We're equal, but I'm not working hard enough. Right? I'm never going to admit that because I'm lazy and I don't want to. That that means I got to do something. If I don't like it, I got to do something about it. I don't want to do nothing about it. So what I say is somehow P has, you have, you've cheated the system. And that's what I don't like about you because you found the cheat codes, which is not even true. It's just you, you, you grinding. But so this way I can go back to my same state, my same homeostasis of being a loser and bitching and hating on people because I don't want to admit that maybe you're better than me. And if you're not better than me, I'm not working as hard. So the the, the last solution is I, I, I hate you because you're a cheater. Mm. And that makes it easier for me to live with my failure. So while you're just working to be who the best version of yourself, that is holding a mirror up to dudes who are not working as hard, don't have the resources, don't even have the ability. And it's almost like you're mocking them. Your, your success mocks them in a way. You know what I mean? And they're looking for this validation. So the validation is, yeah, yeah, he's not... You know, it's sort of like you ever see when they when they talk about Jordan now and they go, oh, he was the greatest. He, he just he just was phenomenal. His focus is this, the that, his mental toughness. Right. But when Jordan was playing, they were like, what does it feel like? Remember when when uh, they were like, what does it feel like maybe playing the greatest playing against the greatest player of all time? They were like, yo, I'm hot, too. Yeah. Because we was they were still in the race, but now that it's over, they could be honest about how how dope he was. You know what I mean? True. So it's a, it's a weird kind of dynamic. Is your own um, the revelation of you being truthful and authentic about who you are? You being credible in terms of uh, I always use ACE. I use the acronym ACE. It's authenticity, credibility, and empathy. So um, I'm authentic. I'm being truthful. I'm being credible. What I say, I'm going to do mm. unless I can't and be having empathy for somebody else and understanding what their what their their process is and what their their plight is. You know, you know, when you talk about marriage, right, and mm. it make me think, um, you know, one thing I will say, and I don't know how you feel about this, but, you know, being with someone, I feel like you could love them mm-hmm. to want to be with them. Yeah. Or marry them. Right. But I feel like a lot of love comes throughout the years while you're married. And I'll explain to you what I mean. You know, a lot of people, like I remember speaking to a lot of guys, even me and myself, where they're like, nah, she's a good woman, man. Yeah. You know, she when I was down and out, yeah. she was there for me. Right, right. She, she raised my it's kids. going through shit. You know, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know if it's only love or it's like, I love that woman, but or it's like, Nah, man. Like she was, she was there for me. Like I don't mean like yeah. you owe her something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Ma- meaning like you appreciate her. Where it's like, sure, sure. You could be because I feel like there's levels in marriage, right? You can't just. I don't know how high school sweethearts stay together a hundred years and it's like mm. nothing ever changed. There's levels to it. Sure, pivoting, sure, sure. Because we change. Yeah, you yeah. know, like meaning like you get married, twenty mm. years old, your whole thirty to thirty four, you were unemployed. You lost right. your job. Right. She could have been held in you, holding, holding the house down, down yeah, or, yeah. or still being there for you. Or she could have said, you ain't shit. Yeah. And yeah. it probably wouldn't have lasted. I just feel like, you know, the analogy you just made is great because for me, too, it's like I look at it like, you know what? Like, 
I don't focus on anybody. Right. Like as long as I could be the best me I could be. That's people good. like 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 I give an example like people could come before me mm-hmm. and be more successful. Right. Not just in podcasting, in anything. <clears throat> right, right. And I won't be mad because I'm like, yo, maybe it wasn't my time yet. Right. You know, combat, maybe he's better. Yeah. No, well, yeah, yeah. Maybe he works harder. Yeah. You know, you know, even like even even I remember combat and Dallas Penn used to say all the time, it takes ten years to become an overnight success. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And, and sometimes it, you know. People want results quick, but even like anyway, listen. In, in, even in marriage, right? You know, um, I remember reading something on you and listening to in brilliance. You had an open relationship in marriage, like where you would bring a chicken. Well, my my my, ma- my wife was uh, she was into girls. Okay. And when I met her, she was in a in a lesbian relationship, and they brought me in to kind of spice up the. the but that thing. was nice to them. Yeah, right. And then, but it, but was that did, was that tough? <clears throat> what I mean is, well, like, yeah. I wasn't. I was. You know how we, when you say open relationship, I, I, what I call it is a soft. Uh, it was a soft open. What I mean is like she could, she could mess with girls. I didn't care, but I, uh, and I can mess with girls, but I could. She couldn't. She wasn't messing with dudes. You know what I mean? She didn't really like dudes. Anyway, I was kind of the exception to the mm-hmm. rule that she liked because she really was into into women. Um, but I, I think what what you said is interesting about holding you down so it's like okay so i've known about you and you've known about me sure. right so hopefully from this point on there's a friendship that absolutely right absolutely. now but we don't really come boy become boys till we go through some shit so uh for instance say some crazy dude comes in with the ratchet but everybody get up against the door me and you we tackle a dude we take him down things i hit him with the you, mic whatever right the whatever it is right <laughs> now we are closer because of that, because we've been through shit. Absolutely, you you something happens where bong we hanging out, we in Miami, the strippers, well whatever. Something happens, you get an STD, you say yo dog, I got yo. Now I know your secrets and you know my secrets, and that's what builds the friendship. It's what we go the trials and tribulations. So what you were saying about a, a a chick just holding, I lost my job and my joint, held me down. And that's where the love comes from because it's not you can't just say I love me, you love me. You gotta you gotta show me you love me. You gotta say that your my happiness is important, and I gotta do the same. And I gotta do it as a man. I gotta do it even more so. I gotta be rock solid because here's a a crazy thing. I think that you know with all this me too shit is it's things guys don't really understand. And that's the you know when I say ace. Authenticity, credibility, empathy. Sure. The reason every time a woman goes out with a dude, she got to think about this dude might rape and kill me. That's a possibility. If I go out with a chick, that's uh, that's not even a concern. I'm trying to see: Am I gonna get the drawers? Is this chick gonna be? How much money? Am I, you know what I'm saying? Sure, but sure. my concern is not my life. So when you when you get this 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 me too stuff the me too stuff is a lack of empathy it means it's selfishness and empathy i want you i don't care if you want me back so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna get rich and famous and powerful and then i'm gonna bend your will so that you gotta fuck me and you gotta whatever it is i'm gonna make you do the things whatever which is interesting because men receive the same treatment from rich and powerful men. So when you're an, a, a subordinate, those same Me Too dudes treat dudes like shit, too. It, it ain't different. So 
not understanding that that's a consideration for a woman. She has to, when she goes out with you, she's going, all right, I guess he won't kill me. I don't think he'd kill me. You know what I mean? Like, if you had to think about that every time you took a chick out to dinner, that she might kill you? You know what I'm saying? I don't even know if I would... I would just be by myself. I would be a hermit if I do crazy. Yeah, or, or even you know, even letting people pay. And I made yeah. this mistake for past relationships, yeah. past people. Like yeah. I give you an example. Um, I remember uh, I was dating this girl, and and, and she was like, are, "Are you gonna cheat on me?" I'm like, "Why do you keep on asking me that?" Right, right. And then she had told me, "Well, well, the guy I was with before did." It's almost like I give you an example. We go to the corner store. Mm-hmm. And they charge us, uh, uh, you know, two dollars or whatever for, I, I don't know, something like you know, a, a quarter a, water. <laughs> no, I, well, well, I, well, I mean, we make it better. Like maybe there's no price on like this, and it, we, we pay a dollar. Next day mm-hmm. it says a dollar twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Or every day we're gonna come up with our guards up. Like yo, right. my man, you charged me a dollar yesterday. You know, right, right. So right. next time we go in there for some reason, we're always, yeah, you, you know, with your... the guards up. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I feel like people do that. I've done that. Look, when I was married, I got divorced. My next relationship that I got into, which was so many years later, mm-hmm. okay, I did not want to get married. Yeah. And I didn't. Right. Because I was- the, the, still the living that old left thing. a sour taste. And my, now, don't get me wrong. I wasn't holding on to it anymore. Yeah. I just didn't want that. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and it's sad, and, and, and it's not only me. People deal with this. It's sad that another person pays for someone else's sure, mistakes. Sure, sure. Well- I mean, it's it, what's it, what's interesting to me is that, and and this is no disrespect to people who have gone through things and people have been shot, molested, or, sure, sure. or 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 abused or whatever. But you got to understand, and and like so in my you know my podcast is the Beige Phillips Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm rebranding it to Man School Two Hundred Two. We're doing that, and uh, you know, it's Beige Philip Why tell people why? So so Patrice and I did a Patrice was doing a show on Sirius Radio. And uh, Opie said to him, you're like the black Dr. Phil. And he said, yeah, like the ghetto black Dr. Phil. And he called it Black Phillip. And that was the name of the the show that we did on Sirius Radio. And then when I picked up the show after Patrice had passed away and uh, and I was started doing the show on my own, I wasn't, I'm, I'm lighter than Patrice, mm-hmm. so it was beige. I, so my whole thing was my complexion is beige. Sure. And so I called it beige Phillip as an homage to him. And... Um, but it it was um, I forgot my point. Uh, oh, you, you were talking about remaking the two hundred two, right? Know? Right. So so it was it was about it it was really about me um you know changing I was rebranding it, but I do the consultations a lot of times, and I'll do I do phone consultations. You know, people pay me for my time to 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 you know get these gems that we're talking about now, yeah. and. Uh, and it, what's interesting is you get people who have been molested or abused or whatever, and then they carry that on way into their adult life. But what you don't understand is when you were nine or you were seven and somebody molested you or abused you, you they were able to do that because you were nine and you were seven. And so when you're 25 or you're 30 and you're and you're still holding that, it's an it's an unrealistic fear that you have because nobody's going to molest you. You're not nine anymore. You know what I mean? That's never going to happen again, but you're carrying a fear, an unrealistic fear that that 
existed when you were nine and you're still in that place, your your emotional growth stops because you're still in your mind. You're you're taking the advice of a nine year old and you would never do that. I mean, in your business today, if a nine year old said, yo, you need to you need to do this with your business, you would be like, you're nine. Shut the fuck up. Mm. But what we're doing is we're taking that inner nine year old. That's us. And we're using what we learned then all the way into our adult life and it stunts our growth. So as much as it's painful, what we're doing is, and, and here's the, the crazy thing, you get people that sexually molested and stuff, the people who are sexually molested by the time you're an adult, a lot of times those people are dead and you're still letting them store a uh, space in your brain. They're still molesting you, they're still hindering your growth even from the grave, like if you think about how crazy that is, that you have to find a way to let that go, because it's not even real. It's not a like if you got a, a, a phobia of height of heights, right? You can have a phobia of heights, but fear is always an emotion. I mean, I, something I always say: I never let emotion uh, get a seat at the table, because you can't make clear and concise decisions with emotions involved. It clouds your judgment. Fear is an emotion. So if you have fear, you can't make decisions because you're fear. You're afraid. That's why boxers go in the ring. They train every day because you have to hold fight and flight. So it means you get punched in the face. You either fight back and go crazy and rip somebody to pieces or you run out of the gym. Boxers literally have to learn to take shots in the face and still maintain composure. Otherwise, you're not a good boxer. So you have to remove the emotion. Um... But you get people who have abuse and bad situations or bad relationships. They take it. So, but you got to understand, you'll never be that person again. What happened to you will never. I'm not saying other things tragic won't happen. Sure. But that thing that happened will never happen again because you're changed by the tragedy. You know, that changes you as a person. If I've, I've been stabbed twice in my life, right? I have scars that that where I was stabbed will never be the same. There's scar tissue there. It's stronger because I've been star I've been stabbed. Now it doesn't mean I can't get stabbed someplace else, but I mean and what I'm afraid of is that stabbing that happened at that time. It'll never happen again in the same way ever again. There's other things, but I need to and that's where my wisdom comes in where I understand how to navigate things so that I don't get stabbed again. You know? Mm. So it's a it's an interesting thing how people get stunted. You know what it's like? You know how if you got your man that goes up north, the minute he goes up north, right? When he gets back out, he's still talking about the same shit that he was talking about when he left. Mm. Because it, there's no emotional and intellectual growth in that. So he's stunted until, so he does 10 joints, he gets out, and he's still 21. He's 31, but he's 21. Still, sure, he's still sure. in the same place. He's coming home wearing wearing Paco jeans. Yeah, he, got, and, he got hippopotamus yeah, yeah, you know, sneakers. Jabos. It's crazy. K-Swiss. Man. Yo, Internet, listen, let's take a quick break. We're sitting here with the one and only Dante Nero, man. We're going over the gems, going over the former stripping, the comedy. Man, talking about just real life shit. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Roxanne Shantae, and right now you're locked into the Premium Pete Show. And we're back sitting here with Dante Nero. What's going on? The What's comedian. Man, you're a man of too many fucking things, man. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's a... Do you fence? You doing fencing? Well, I, I, I was fencing when I was a kid. I, I got a, a partial scholarship to SUNY New Paltz fencing. 
Yeah. Um, I, I took it up when I was like 11 years old. Um, my, my dad knew a guy who worked for the parks department. Um, so, you know, we in New York. So in, in, that's the people that take care of the parks. And my and it was a dude who was supposed to go to the Olympics in like the 70s, popped his Achilles heel on a beach. And then he took a civil servant job as a park parks department. And I was like 11 years old. My pops asked me if I wanted to fence. And I was like, so a fight? Yeah, I'm in. So I, I, um... I was like, yeah, so I took it and, uh, you know, I, I fenced, I fenced a uh, foil. Foil was my weapon. There's three sure. weapons, saber, epee, and foil. The, you know, the, I don't want to bore people to death, but it's, it's different rules, different weapons. And um, I did that, and then it, it was able to get, I got a couple years of school. That's uh, yeah. dope. That. Yeah. That's dope because somebody like me, like, yo, I never, ever... Even like I heard of it, yeah, yeah, but I never ever came close. I to was it. a Brooklyn kid, yeah. so I it wasn't a thing. You know what I'm saying? Not it was sure. It was just uh, my pops was a live dude, and he knew people. Yeah, and, that's good. Hey, listen, yeah. he opened your mind to other things. Yeah, yeah. Yo, something that's crazy is that the, the number count on how many you women you've been with is about thirty five hundred. I don't know if it's is 30, that true. I don't know if it's thirty five hundred. Hell, I put it like this: everybody knows that there's a time when you when you you keep track. You know, everybody has that period of time when they when they know what their number is, right? So I, um, I kept track up to when I was thirty two. Mm. So at thirty two, I was at about fourteen hundred, right? So if I estimate, I don't know, uh, maybe twenty twenty three hundred twenty, you know, something like that. I mean, I'm 52, but I, but I'm I, that's not a brag either. I was a male stripper, you know what I mean? Like, like if you, if you, if you, if you, um, if you got a honey, if you got hives with bees and honey, you are gonna get stung a lot, you know what I mean? Sure. So it was just it was the 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 business that I was in that just made that available to you. you with, know? With, with that many women, did you did you have to go to the doctor a lot? Did you ever have Nah, any? not really. No? Not really. I was really a lucky dude. Um because you know like we we didn't really believe in uh in AIDS and stuff. Like we just heard sure. about it. It was sure. like a unicorn and and it so motherfuckers started ending up sick. We didn't even really believe that. You know what I mean? Um but it just I just was lucky. I was just a lucky dude, you know? Mm. Mm. Um you know, I don't know. I, I mean, it was just kind of it was available to me. And then just like I say, anything else, you, you whatever you do and you practice like a lot of times I'll go on shows and, and I'll and, and people will ask that. It's like I, I wanted to be clear. I, I wasn't the best looking dude. I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't the smartest dude. But the the ability being in that realm just every weekend, like I would do. You know, when I was stripping, I would do anywhere from 11 to 15 shows a weekend. You know, mm. and at any given show could be eight hundred thousand women at a time, um, and I would do five shows in a night, like five on Friday, five on Saturday. You know, two or three on Sunday. Some during the week. I ran clubs during the week where we had like a mail review night at, at different bars and stuff. And so it was just available to me. You know mm. what I mean? It just it was it was it was like if you're a porn star, you know. You 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 just in that room. Sure, sure. It's not, it's not it's not like it's it's everyday work. Yeah, you know? it's, it's not what like, you do. Tell the people to like, oh my god, and and to you, you're like, all right, man. Like, shit is just like open the turtle seat, taking a piss. <laughs> it 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 gets like that, which actually puts you in a position 
where I mean, I, well, don't get me wrong. One of my mans, one of my my dudes. I'm not gonna say his name because you probably know him. Mm. He's probably up at around 4,500. God damn. One of my closest friends, who was really like a, he was like a nerd, real cornball dude. He he knocked down five, six hundred, mm. like easy. And I mean, he was a cornball, like, and he couldn't knock down more than, you know, he it was sure. easily knocked. So it's not it's not a thing. You know what I'm saying? It's not something to brag. And, and it doesn't even really matter. I'll tell you here, honestly, what you learn from all of that, the, because you start, anytime you see uh, there's a, a repetition of something, you start to see patterns. And I, you start to see patterns and you realize that all women are the same. I know I get a lot of flack when I say that. But the but what it what it means what I mean also is all men are the same, so we all as human beings there's a, there's a there's a field of study called behavioral science, which is the study of human behavior patterns. Why would they have a science in that if that wasn't the case? So guys act the same way, women act the same way. If you think about it, anytime you try, anytime you was like in young or whatever, you was trying to knock something down. Has a woman ever said something? To prevent you from knocking it down that you haven't heard 50 times before. Mm. You don't even know my name. Mm. Mm. You, what's my favorite color? Mm. What's my middle name? I'm not ready. I got a book. You know what I'm saying? It's you ain't going to call me tomorrow. Right. It's the same. We. All, so what's funny about that is what I used to tell dudes when I, when I used to, you know, I would do like the hitch thing and teach them how to get, you know, how to get a chick. Um... I, I was like, you know what the questions are. You know, you got, this is a take-home test. You need to have answers for the questions that you already know. So just have an answer ready. Mm. You know what I mean? So when she goes, if she goes, uh, I only, like, I, I get this all the time. Yeah, I mean, and, you, and I know you, I, I don't, I don't even mess around on until the third date, right? Mm. And I used to say, I used to say, I don't mind not fucking. I mind can't fucking. Mm. She go, well, what's that? I go, well, here's the thing. I don't care that if you don't feel comfortable and you don't want to take it to a physical level. What I do care about is that you have a set standard about uh, what your protocol is. Because for you to say you have a set standard for protocol means that you're putting me in the same place, in the same, you, you, you're assuming I'm the same dude that everybody else that you met. And if you think I'm the same dude, I need to get out of here. Because you're not smart enough to know what my value is. And I get up and leave. And they be like, whoa, what, why are you? I go, nah, it's cool. I'm just saying, if you don't get who I am and what I am, that's okay. But I'm a bounce because you, you just not into me. No, I'm I'm a, and then sure enough, you know, <laughs> you back in the game. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. Um, lot of things I would do that uh, like I had like canned, like because like I said, the the same. You know, you get the same objections over and over again. So I had answers for them. And when you have answers and you move, it's like when I when I go when I go for a part, like I I did um, I did a I did sec second season of Power, mm -hmm. and I did a second season of Blacklist. I had like eight episodes of Reoccurring Character on Blacklist, and I actually was in John Wick two, and I got edited out, and then I was in Ocean's eight, and I got edited out, which is why I don't tell people <laughs> when I got something coming. But um, 
it's a weird thing when I go for auditions. I will dress the character. So if you you if it's if it's a if it's a thugged out ice cream man, I'm I'm in the paper hat and the ice cream outfit. You know what I mean? So what I'm trying to do is tell <laughs> I'm telling the people, look, I'm removing all the obstacles out the way. So if you're gonna say no to me, you're gonna have to really not like me because I'm not gonna give you a reason to say no. And the same thing is when you when you're when you're seducing a woman you know that there's going to be objection. And there has to be. Because she doesn't want you to think that she's a slut. She doesn't want you to think that she doesn't value herself. So there's, there's, the test is the objections. Why would you not have the answers to the test that you've taken and failed over and over and over again? Mm. Just don't make no sense. You know, but being with that many women, yeah. you know, can you can you remember when you think of, like, your greatest... Moment. I mean, I'm your greatest moment with a woman, or your greatest time, greatest sex ever. Well, just, I guess, all that sex and. Well, here's here's what I think that you 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 go all the way around to go back to to the starting point, mm-hmm. and what you realize is, so you three you threesomes and orgies and all of this stuff, and all of that is exciting. I get a lot of calls from dudes. Yo, I'm with my chick. I'm trying to get her to bring somebody else in the bedroom. What you don't understand is the real, most dudes can't fuck one chick properly. Mm. What are you going to do with two? Four titties, two vaginas, and two assholes. Like, two, like, if you can't handle one properly, then how do you handle two? The problem is that what you realize, you know, in my, I guess in my old age, I realize the most important thing is intimacy. Mm. Is I'm with a woman who... I want to please. I like her. I like her smell. I like the way her pussy tastes. I like how her mouth feels. I like those things and I'm a, I'm absorbing that. And she likes me, all those things. And you know, you know, you get this and and, and chicks will, you know, if chicks are listening, they'll understand this. If you love a dude, you love his body odor. When mm. his armpits stink. Mm. I've had chicks stick their nose in my armpits. <laughs> like you be like, yo, what you doing? But it's, and if if a chick don't like you, she don't like none of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She don't like the way you touch her. You, but and that's how that that it's that intimacy. So I'm still having some of the greatest sex that I've ever had in my life. It's still getting better because I'm I'm more aware of who I am and and what my body does and I'm learning her body which is exciting that I'm learning her body it's funny we was talking to um we was talking to a man out in the in the lobby and he was like I haven't had sex um in three years and I'm like Pratt what are you doing what are you Michael Pratt I can't believe this dude man yeah I I don't even know my god I didn't even listen Michael Pratt is on the talk and texture podcast with my man Dallas Penn he breaks a gem out while we're talking all yeah. day about he hasn't had sex in three years. And I'm like, dog, here's here's the thing with that. And, and I, I've said this a thousand times on my podcast. I go, Man School 202, The Beige Phillips Show. Just get that plug in. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I've said, getting over your girl when you broke up is five pussies away. For a chick, it's five dicks away. You, There is something about... Uh, when you have intimacy, when you when you connected to somebody, where that that intimacy 
releases chemicals. It's chemical in your body. Your body knows this person is a familiarity. So when you break up with them and you don't have that connection, you're, you're, it's addictive. And so your body wants to reconnect and wants to feel those things that it, that it, that it was feeling before. When you sleep with another person, it's almost like you reboot the chemistry of your body. So the first time it's awkward. It's always awkward because it's, it's, it's different. The second time it's a little bit better. The third time it's like, whoa, this was kind of nice. The fourth time you're like, I don't remember, what was her name again? You know what I mean? And, and the fifth time you're over it. So it, it's, it's, but, it's, but what is really happening, it's, it's, it's chemical. You know, like you, you know how like once you've been rocking with a chick for a while, you know her spots. You know what to do. She knows what to do. Y'all are in sync. It's like you ever see kids play mirror where two kids are standing in front of each other and they're trying to mimic each other's mm. movement. When the kids are really in sync, you can't tell who's initiating the movement and who's following. Mm. And that's what happens when, with real true intimacy when you're, when you're in sync with somebody. And that is the best thing. That's better than the orgies and the threesomes. And, you know, I mean, all of that's fun. But if you really think about it, you've never had an, a, a one-night stand that was great sex. It was great because it was new. It was great because it was exciting. But that... that that moment when two people are intimate and they want to please each other and they know each other and they know how to please there's nothing better than that. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, when you were married, um, I remember hearing you say that you got tired of having threesomes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, now for some guys listening, some of them are like, how the fuck is that possible? But that's because they probably haven't had it like that. Oh, you ever, you know, if you, like I'm a dude that eat, I like I love great restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. And I love I love a good porterhouse steak mm. in wine with garlic and you know what I mean. Sure. I love a I, I, I love a I love clams and oysters and stuff. But sometimes, dog, I want to go to White Castles. Mm. I just want a murder burger. You know what I mean? Is so you can get tired of anything if you're not, especially if you're not present in the moment. Now that's another thing when you say like, what's the best say? it's being present it's being present in the moment like you get and and here's the thing it's like when you women are very intuitive they have to be because of what we were talking before about when a woman goes out with a guy sure, sure. and and she's got to she's got to when you act creepy or there's something off in her mind she goes oh this is dangerous sure the alarm goes off this is creepy so there's a there's a thing I call a proximity law. It's like you know how you at a party and every time you look up, you look out or you scan the party and this chick is looking at you. And every time you turn around, she's next to you. And every time you, you walk someplace, she's there. And you think it's all by coincidence. It's not. Because here's the here's the flip side of that. What happens if you said something to a chick and she's creeped out? You won't see her again for the rest of the party. So the opposite is true. The avoidance is true when you're a creep, but the but a woman that stays in your proximity is also true. Now that doesn't mean she wants to fuck you, but it means you could. It means she's she's comfortable enough to be in your presence. And and that's not the only variable, but it is one of the variables in terms of understanding, you know, human attraction and human interaction and stuff like that uh, you know i i read a lot of books on 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 instinct and you know like mating there's a great book called uh uh sex at dawn um which deals with the whole the primates bilobo sure. monkeys and how they how they mate and we're we're those are the closest primates to us 
And so I, we forget that we're still animals and there are these instinctual drives that exist, um, procreating. You know, some people, I, I'm not a, I'm, I'm, I'm an agnostic or an atheist, whatever you want to call it. But what I do know is immortality to me is not having, it's moving your DNA to the next generation. Because the DNA that's in your child is the same DNA that's in you. And that's how, that's your immortality moving it. And, and if you think about that, every animal in the wild, in the whole, in, in every kingdom does that. Their whole purpose is to procreate. Man, you know, a lot of gems being dropped. A lot of relationship gems, a lot of, a lot of sexual gems. But more so, even one thing I really like about you is is life gems. Yeah. You know, I remember you talking about, uh, uh, you know, about this brick story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, where if you go outside and you put five bricks uh, right, right, a day, right. you know, uh, tell us about that story. All right, so, um, you know, it was a, it was, I was trying to understand how to achieve success. That was my, it wasn't just necessarily women, but it was just success in general. And, and so the analogy is that if you go in your backyard and you lay five bricks a day, right? Uh, at the end of the year, you will have a huge wall, right? Because you've laid five bricks every day. You don't have to like laying bricks. You don't have to enjoy it. You don't have to be motivated. Motivated. You don't have to be inspired. You just got to go out, and sometimes you just got to do the work. It's not It's not fun all the time. It's just like if you want to work out, you want to get in shape, you got to, or, or, or you boxing, you got to do your five miles every day. It has to be done. And if it is done, you will achieve a certain level of success. Now, it all depends on, you know, the variable is how quick you pick up and how you know your genetics but those are variables but part one of the most important variables is that you show up and so anything you do it's just like doing doing the podcast you got to do it every you got to be consistent you understand sure, sure. and if you're consistent it you get better at it see the bricks at the top become way better than the ones at the bottom because just through repetition you become more proficient at it just through repetition and and so a lot of times what I would tell dude like I get calls by guys who are awkward with women or they 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 have what I what I call it uh, the approach anxiety like a dude doesn't want to get rejected and this is why we have all of this stuff with the incels and the, the MGTOWs, these dudes who don't you know or you know even you know Pratt who, who's talking about he and and been with nobody in three it's this is all fear it comes from fear and what happens is. If you go out and talk to five women a day, you have this approach anxiety, and you talk to five women a day, every day for eight weeks, that's what I tell a dude to do. Not with the intention on getting laid, just talking. Not just the hot joint, the one with the little waist and the fat booty, the, the... the lady at the at the grocery store, the old lady at the grocery store. Wow, your, your makeup looks nice. Wow, your hair looks good. I love your shoes. You got a really nice smile. Just with no intention on, you know, getting an exchange. That, the repetition of that overrides the anxiety that you have about rejection because you just do it so much. And then because I'm usually telling a guy to do it, he's usually doing it because I told him to do it. So that removes the anxiety. Now, if you, you think about it, I think it's five a day, every day for eight weeks is 285 women that you spoke to. 
pimps don't talk to that many women. You know mm. what I mean? So there's a few things that happen. You remove the anxiety so you become authentic because you're not afraid. You've removed the fear. It's something what you do just through the repetition. And so you, you, you also start to see what about you is attractive, how you're funny, what women find interesting about you. You, you, you learn that just because the 285 women is enough interactions where you start to see patterns. Um, and so you see the patterns and have most of the time dudes, when dudes do that, they fall into, they trip and fall into some pussy. Oh, you got really, really hair. Really? I like your hair too. Mm. You know? <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're in a conversation next day, then you, you smashing because you just went and laid the bricks. Mm. Man, this is the guide to, uh, you know, the guide to learning how to maneuver <laughs> as a guy in this world. Because I'll be honest with you, too. You know what? Like you said, there's really no manual. Right. No. no I say this about parenting. Yeah. There's oh, no, yeah. There's no booklet. There's no Absolutely. manual. You just, you got to figure this shit out. out. Yeah. They, and, kids don't come with directions. You know, you know you, you've been with a girl before uh, that stabbed you. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember my man Rob, yeah. okay, uh, was telling me, uh, I write films, Rob, was telling me, <laughs> Uh, that you had to sew yourself up or whatever. Like, what what yeah. exactly happened, man? So here's what happened. You know, doing my show, I've I've always been trying to explore that. What I like, I say, there's these instinctual drives of attraction that are on a, on an animus animalistic level, and then there is what I call cognitive attraction. Is you talking to her and you you uh, connecting with her, right? Um, so a lot of times the attraction is just you get me to do who's really smooth and he knows how to, he's got game. And then there's other guys that just have that kind of natural thing that chicks just dig that natural thing that he has, uh, goes to the instinctual attraction. So human beings have been on this earth for 200,000 years. The way that women find men attractive is the same for 200 years, safety, security, decisiveness authenticity because anything else other than that feels like so so inauthenticity receipt is women there in, in on an intuitive level they see it as inauthentic as deceptive it's like mm. you're hiding something sure. if you're hiding something then you then that could be dangerous and dangerous means unattractive mm. you know and that happens in split seconds like like I mean, it's just something about you. It could be the way you hate wear your pants or how you point or your voice or whatever. And then she just goes, "I, you know, danger," and I'm out. So it, it, there's an interesting thing about that. Um, and so I was with this chick who I was actually experimenting with because I was trying to understand the you know male female interaction and 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 you know the social constructs. Um, and so I was working on that instinctual attraction and working on that cognitive attraction. And what I realized is that when you have both, when both are grinding together, both are working in sync, it is a dangerous thing because her inability to control the situation could make her violent mm -hmm. because she feels like there's no, she has no recourse. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you ever had somebody stalk you and then, you know, and you go to leave and she'd be like, huh? if you leave, I'll kill myself. Like, I had this chick, she, that, the chick who stabbed me, she actually tried to kill herself. And, and she was like, you leave me, I'll kill myself. And like, you know, it's like, 
where do we get to this? How do we even how get do we, to yeah, how yeah. Do we, yeah. But it's it's the attraction on both it's that animalistic attraction and that cognitive attraction together is just is a really powerful thing. And that is also why I think that you can still do the marriage things for 75 years. You can be with somebody in in one person because if you if you if you understand the attraction then you can duplicate it and you can keep that relationship hot forever the problem is we know as men you know if if you you know how to get a chick you don't know how to keep her mm. but what we don't understand is the same thing that gets the chick is the same thing that keeps her it's the lack of inconsistency that makes the relationship go to shit mm. we get familiar we start we start slipping up. We don't do the things that we don't do. I get dudes call me all the time. Yo, I'm married. My wife, she don't. She don't want to fuck. She don't want to. She used to blow me on the way in the car when we were on our way home from the movies. She don't do that. I always ask, what were you doing that put her in that mood in the first place? Like when you when she was doing that, what were the circumstances that? Because if you duplicate those circumstances, there's a good chance that you can get her back to that. If you haven't already fucked it up, mm, mm. you know. If you haven't gone so far. You know, mm. little things like you know your 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 wife is cooking and you run up behind and you bite her on the ear and smack her on the ass We're like y'all you, know <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that's the thing that keeps it live. Some of them shrimp and grits, yo. <laughs> Some with that mango peach salad. <laughs> Give me some walnuts on that. Yeah. What's yeah. up with that salmon? The pan pan seared. Oh, you are you are you, are you, you making hot dogs? What, what, you like hot dogs? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> some of that broccoli rob. Yeah. But, but how the fuck did she stab you, man? So I um what happened was I mean, don't get me wrong, she was crazy. She yeah. was out of her mind. Yeah. Uh and I, you know, at the time I used to throw a bitch out of my house every week just to keep in practice. You know what I mean? Just to, so that I knew I could. And uh I ended up I I something happened. I don't know exactly what happened. I think it was uh oh, so this is social media. So it was her birthday. Yeah, it was her birthday. And uh, she um, she got up out of bed, went into the bathroom with her phone and started checking her Facebook page. Uh, I guess checking to see who gave her. Ma- I don't even know what it was, but I was like, this is your birthday. We had went out to dinner. I had bought her a pair of red bottoms for, mm, the, mm. for the, you know, like I, it was her birthday. Uh, she was pissed because she wanted a ring when I had clearly told her that we wasn't getting married. But she got mad because I gave her some 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 uh, like twelve hundred dollar pair of shoes, and she was still mad at me. And we ended up um, spending the night. And she got up and went and checked her Facebook page. And I snatched her phone from her and scrolled down. You know how you you don't turn off the notifications. And it was all you know, yo, happy birthday. You know, just a bunch of cornball trying to get out of through social media. And I was like, look, I don't even really like. I'm not really sweating all these motherfuckers. But the reality is, it's disrespectful for you to be in my home and not be able to put that on hold for whatever time you, you that you're here. Get up, get the fuck out of my house. Mm. And she was like, I'm not going. I'm not going. I was like, Oh, you going? So I snatched the phone from her. And I scrolled down and I could see that when I snatched the phone, she panicked. Right, because she was like, I'm gonna be exposed. And so she came at me full blown fighting, like fighting like she was in the street fighting. Sure, sure. And I grabbed her and I grabbed her and I 
pushed her down to the bed and I was just holding her down and I was scrolling the phone with the other hand. I'm a pretty big dude, right? So I'm scrolling with the phone. I'm looking at her. I was like, you cornball. Yo, just get your shit and get the fuck out. And she was like, oh, you grab that. Then it became about me holding her down. Yo, you grab you. Help me that. So she runs into the kitchen. She gets two of my fucking, I don't know if you know what cut go knives, but they're like the sharpest knives that money could buy. So I, like some Ginsu shit? Like worse than Ginsu. Like it's some next level. Okay. There's a patent for these joints. Fuck. And she comes out double-fisted with both knives, like coming at me. Crazy eyes, right? Like she's going to murder me, right? And I I, I kind of run from her to like draw her in. And as she draws in and she chases me down the hallway with both knives, double-fisted, I stop and I sidekick her in the stomach, mm. right? And she, oof, you get that, and I knock the wind out. She, but as I, as she did the guffaw, like, oh, she put the knife, the knife right into my calf. And I, it was knives were so sharp, I didn't even know that I was stabbed. Mm. And uh, and I was like, and it was so cool. It was like some, uh, I would say it was some um, Liam Neeson shit, but fuck that dude. Um, but but I was like, and then and then I was like, see what you made me do. I was talking shit, and then I looked down, and it was literally blood. As my heart was beating, the blood was skeeting out of the the wound, like a fountain. And I'm like, ah oh, shit. So. I um I took I got a um a needle and thread I got some thread and needle and I and I I stitched it because I was really bleeding that bad I don't know if I had an artery but it was bad and where'd she go she was on the floor playing like if she was so hurt that she couldn't get up but she knew it was like I was bleeding all over the place so she was you know she was like you, oh, could, this. you couldn't get up. I got up. Now, now let me ask you: being in the moment, yeah, you just got stabbed. You, you didn't, you didn't almost go crazy to her. Uh, nah, because I was bleeding. Like, I know if you keep bleeding like that, I, I wouldn't. Sure, sure. Like I could have bled out. Like I mean, it don't take, but it's just, what does the human body takes like about two minutes, two and a half minutes to bleed out. So I went. I got a needle and thread, and I put, I stitched it, and then I took crazy glue. Um, and if anybody knows that, that like you know, that's a good way to close them. I took crazy glue, I lined the line, and I held the pinches together. And then I, uh, it held together. The blood started to slow down. And then I put a gauze, and I didn't have any any adhesive, so I used duct tape and a gauze, and I just like laid down and calmed because I was excited, which is you know makes the blood pump further. And uh, and I was like, yo, just get out. And she was like, I'm not going. I love you. And I was like, well, look, you're gonna have to go eventually. Cause you can't stay here. Um, I gotta go to work in the morning. So, but just, how the fuck did you get? Did you go, you didn't go to the hospital? Uh, nah, I, I didn't go to the hospital. It had stopped. The blood stopped, and you know, I was like, you know, I mean, we come from old. It was old no, school. No, I know, I you know, know, I know. But and, and what happened? Did you ever finally getting rid of her? Uh, it's funny because yeah, yeah, I finally got rid of her. It mm. took a while though. It took a while even about after that. Mm. Um. You know, I always say everybody gets got. She definitely had my number. You know what I mean? Mm. She had, she had. You know, everybody has that, that kryptonite. That one chick that was a kryptonite, sure. and she, she was definitely my, my kryptonite. You know, let me tell you, man, your journey is is crazy. <laughs> As we start to wind this episode down, man, it's like fucking. I don't know, man. You got stories on top of stories yeah, on yeah, top yeah. of stories. You know, uh, man. You know, 
I don't know, man. This guy got so many fucking stories. We're already deep in. Yeah, yeah. You know, first of all, uh, you, your show's on iTunes, Spotify. It's on iTunes. Um, you can also go to just uh, DanteNero.com, and you can get it off of that. You can get it, the Beige Phillips show. I'm actually rebranding it, calling it Man School 202, so mm-hmm. look for that. Um, I'm on the gram, uh, the, the Dante Nero, Dante like Dante. Fuck with Twitter still? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm Dante Nero on Twitter. Um, but Instagram is what I'm really heavy sure, on. Sure, sure. Uh, the uh, all the gems and stuff I put on 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 Twitter. And, but uh, Instagram is the Dante Nero. Dante like Dante's Inferno. Nero like the dude who fiddled when Rome burned. You know, so it's D A N T E N E R O. Um, I'm on the gram and I'm getting ready to do some stuff uh, where I'm starting to answer uh, relationship questions. Uh, if you go to beigephillip.com or go to Dante Nero, you can send me a message, and I'm and I'm gonna answer it live on uh, on the gram. Uh, mm. Starting that soon too, mm. and now I do a- consultations too. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah. Now, what about internet? You got to hit this fucking guy up, man. You got so yeah. many fucking stories, gems, and yeah, advice. Yeah. You 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 like a uh I know you have self proclaimed relationship guru. You know? I, I mean, yeah, dudes go to me. You know, dudes go to me. It what? was funny because when we we were outside, your man was like, "Yo, you." You saved my life. You know what I mean? You changed my life. Sure, so, sure, yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, I'm not... It's good to hear those things. Yeah, it, it, it is, but you know what I'm saying? You, 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 like, you got them. You know, what helps the, the growth of, of the, the art, in order for the art to grow, you got to remove the ego. You know what I mean? And so I hear that, and I say thank you, and I'm glad that I'm, I'm able to help people in that way. And I, and I consult women, too. Mm-hmm. I give you the other side of the game as well. Um, but it's just nice to know... That you know, when I finally close my eyes, that people will be like, "Yo, this dude, he was dope, and he and he helped people." You know what I mean? If you can live, if you could die, and that be, you know, that be your legacy, how dope is that? You know what I mean? Mm. Now, you know, do do you feel like uh, you've gotten what you want out of life? You figure, or you still got a lot more? It ain't over. You no, know I know that, I know but that. I mean, yeah, I'm happy, dog. Yeah. I'm I'm in a really good place, and. uh the, the the scariest thing that I've ever heard in my life is is scariest and the greatest thing that I've ever heard in my life is realized was that you could do anything you want to do. Mm. That's the greatest thing that, that you figure that you can actually achieve the goals that you want. The scariest thing about that is that if you don't have it, it's your fault. Mm. You can't blame nobody else. And I and I don't and I'm not being unreasonable about the fact that there are obstacles and and things that are out of your control, but most of it is in your control. And if you make the right decisions, your options are, are the scope of your options is much wider. When you make wrong decisions, your the, your options become more narrow. So, mm. like we we're talking about getting locked up and stuff. You get locked up now. When you you locked up, you. You don't have no options. Sure. You don't have the ability to be creative. What, what you have to, you can only live in the context of where you're at and do the things you want to do. So, I mean, um, I'm ha- I'm really present in my life. I'm present in my happiness. Um, which again is these all these things relate to other things. Like, um, like one of the things I say, people ask me, well, how you how you become a great lover? You got to be present. So if you kiss a chick. You got to kiss her with the intent to kiss her, not kiss her so you can grab a titty. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Be in the moment of that. And and it will it will open itself. You know, everything else will open itself to it. Or it won't. But even if it doesn't, the kiss that you have is so intense mm-hmm. that you win it. You're winning with just that. 
You know what I mean? So the same thing is true, I think, with my life. It's that being present and 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 doing this, being even doing this today with you to me is I'm present in this and it's a it's an awesome kind of exchange that brings me joy. Um but you know, tomorrow's another day. Maybe you'll have me back. Maybe I'll you know, whatever. I mean, even when we were talking to your man and then hadn't gotten laid in three years, that conversation is important. So, you know, we always have this thing about what's around the corner, like what what's the next thing? And we don't really enjoy the what's going on right now. And that's all we got is right now. Mm. You got right now until it ain't right now till it was over there. It was then. You know what I mean? And and that. So when somebody asks me, am, am I you know, there's more than I want to do. I mean, I love doing comedy because it's constantly changing. I love the acting because there's more there. I love the podcast and it's just, it's all creative. It's just dope. I love meeting people. I mean, you know, it was, man, it was pleasure just being here, t- kicking it with you. you sure, know what likewise. I'm real, real talk, real knows real, and you you feel that the context of that is just it's enjoy. You know what I'm saying? Like this moment is enjoyable if you allow yourself to enjoy it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if you if you're just trying to get through it. You you miss it, you know, you miss what's present, and and so I there's a lot. I mean, I I got this. I'm gonna keep pushing until I can't push. You know. Now you worked a regular job for many years too. How the fuck did you? How long have you been? Are you you do you talk about that? Twenty yeah, twenty five years. I've been with the phone company. But fuck, yeah. How have you been able to live your crazy ass fucking life? Oh uh, man, it, it's and still keep a day job. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard, man. It's it was hard, but again, um. You know, just living in the present. I I um I started working in the phone company in '94. Um, I was <laughs> it's a funny story. I was uh I was I remember the day I was I I went out did shows. I was literally in bed with I brought two chicks home. I was in bed. Right, I'm laying under my. F- I'll tell you how long ago this was. It was an answer machine with a tape cassette in it. God damn! Right, it was clicking, wow. and it was this, and this chick just kept clicking and clicking and clicking. So I checked the message, and it was a chick saying to me, "Oh, Verizon is giving a test. Um, if you can make it, you could." I went out, I, you know, yo, get up, let's go. I gotta go. I went and took the test because no matter how much money you make, dental, you know, getting a toothache. It's a lot of dough. Sure, sure. So it was, it was dental and medical, and I and I I jumped on it, and so I was literally doing stro- shows, strip shows till three five, three o'clock in the morning, and then coming in with Hennessy and ass and baby oil <laughs> on me. You know what I'm saying? Going to work, climbing in, and and I, and I I was really a good friend of mine, a uh, guy that I worked with for twenty years. He would just yo go in the back and sleep. I'd be in the truck, knock out. You know, that was useless sometimes. And uh, in 25 years, I'm ready to get out, you know. When can you get out, retire? I could, uh, within the next year, I'm probably going to leave. Congratulations, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. You'd be able to, you set yourself up for something. Yeah, man. And it's you nice know? to have that little check. Yeah. Medical for life. Yeah. Pension, 401k, you know. Yeah. I mean, a lot of comics, I, a lot of comics I know that, that we think is getting it, they got roommates. Mm. They can't even live in their own place. They, it's three dudes in an apartment. You know what I mean? Dudes who you see on TV. Mm. Um, dudes, I just, I just lent a good friend of a famous comic twenty five hundred dollars because he couldn't pay his rent. Mm. You know what I mean? And I, me having that steady check, 
I mean, and I'm not advocating that. I mean, do it the way yeah, you want to no, do it. Sure. But but having that steady check was, I just knew I always had it. So, you know, everything else was gravy, you know. Podcast money was gravy. Movie money was gravy. Comedy money was gravy, you know. Uh, you know, uh, hustling, whatever whatever I was doing um, was just gravy on top of that, so. Man, that's that, that's being on the grind, man. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and and sometimes things look. That's the fuck up thing about social media, because sometimes yeah. people look good, yeah. but aren't good. Yeah. So when yeah. you say like, you know, people think look at famous comedians or something like, yeah. like nobody has a problem. Yeah. Like nobody has a, a you know short change. That's one thing too about being a freelancer. Yeah, yeah. Or a consultant. Yeah, yeah. So a comedian's almost like a freelancer. Sure, think about sure, it, right? Sure. So it's like you know, you one month you can make fifty grand, next yeah. month you make five grand. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to live. So, you know, listen, sometimes I tell people your day job fuels your dream job. Sure, sure. You know? sure. And, and, and it's good to have something, man. So, listen, your your, your journey is, is honestly, I mean, truly. Like, I appreciate it, No, no, nah, nah, for real. You, I tell you, I got to have you back. Not, I, I'm going to have you back and, and be a special guest co-host. <laughs> All right. You Let's know, because sometimes people, sometimes people like uh, unrealistic with podcasts. Like if you have like an episode yeah, or yeah. interview podcast, yeah. like, yo, I'll come back next month. Well, we already talked uh, about <laughs> your whole fucking journey, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. but coming back as like a special guest co-host because you, you, you have a lot of wisdom. Yeah. You've been through a lot of shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, you know, and sometimes when it's your own, when, our, when it's our own journey, we don't even realize that. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause you, you live in it. Yeah. So you don't even take, you know, uh, pay attention to that shit. It's funny. I always say, uh, you know, I, I always tell dudes, uh, never ask a girl relationship advice uh, because uh, if you want to know how to kill the deer, you don't ask the deer, you ask the hunter. Because mm. the deer is being. Mm. The hunter is studying the deer being. And so if if the only, the, the, the hunter knows, the hunter got the deer piss, He's sitting in a in a in a in a chair in the tree. He's got the got the got the right ammo. He knows where to be. He knows to be quiet. He knows the mating habits. He knows the time that the deer are gonna. So, but if you ask the deer, the deer is just trying to evade. It's just trying. It is just being, mm-hmm. and and so you know, you you gotta take these lessons as you're living life. You gotta take these lessons and hold on to them, and then and then see how you can. They're applicable in situations that seem irrelevant, and that's what I mean by the nature of true wisdom: is understanding the underlying concept, how they relate to situations that seem irrelevant but really are not. So I know this. How can I apply this to that? And then you're a genius, or people perceive you as a genius because you just always got the answers. But you don't. You just you understand the concepts and you know how to reapply it in in situations that you wouldn't even think work. You know what I mean? Internet's mm-hmm. the one and only Dante Nero. Thank you for having you me. Motherfuckers a Renaissance man. <laughs> I'm trying to fucking be. jack of all trades. That yo, I, <laughs> listen, okay. Check check for the motherfucker. Okay. And if you want me here, dog, you know, for real, if this is a new friendship, dog. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go get some food. Absolutely. (laughs) I ain't gonna I ain't gonna be stripping uh uh, joining the stripping group anymore. (laughs) Nah, you retire from that. Yeah, yeah. Retire from the stripping. Retire from the pimping. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't have the stomach for that. Still doing comedy. Yeah, yeah. Acting. Um, uh, acting, uh, podcast, podcasting, and and and, and relationship, relationship guru, shit. Beige Phillips Show, Man School Two Hundred Two. Um, I'm doing uh, consultations. Um, you know, it's all that. Just trying to help. Internet, Dante Nero. Peace, Thank you, fam. Internet. If you enjoyed that episode, then hit me up.
That's right. Email me at thepremiumpeteshow at gmail.com. Again, that's thepremiumpeteshow at gmail.com. If you're an advertiser, any big company, small company, startup, whatever it is, you want to advertise on the Premium Peep Show, hit me up. Email thepremiumpeteshow at gmail.com. And we'll, we'll get to working. Okay, And if you have a suggestion or you want to hear a certain guest on the show, whatever it is, okay, you know, you could at Premium Pete, at Premium Pete Show on Twitter or Instagram, or for the last time I'll tell you, well, I'm not gonna, it's not the last time, email me, thepremiumpeteshow at gmail.com, and let's get to working. Cheer.